Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good, man. How about that's awesome worship, right? It's good times, man. I love coming here and worshiping the Lord with you guys each week. Um, I, there's just something special about singing in the name of Jesus, right? Um, if, you're, if you're not at that place where you're not sure what I'm talking about yet, I hope you get there because it's really beautiful to be able to sing to a Savior who loves us, to, who, to who gave himself for us and to live a life that I couldn't live, that you couldn't live. It's so cool to be able to stand in the presence of God and be able to do that without feeling like we're going to be destroyed like the Old Testament would, 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 would put it. So that's so awesome. So if you're, like, like Andrew said, if it's your first time this morning at Connection Church, I just want to welcome you. I, we love um, just we love what we do here. We love what God's doing in our church. And we're just thankful that you chose to be a part of it today. We tell you, we're thankful you chose to worship with us this morning. Um, I'm really, and we're really thankful that you're here today. And so um, and one thing I really believe, and I've always said it, you know, every, every week you can probably hear a form of it come out of my mouth, is I really believe that God is trying to bring his church into alignment and that there's a lot of battles going on in people's hearts. Um, I, I'm sure there's, you can, you can think back over the last week, two weeks, month. If it goes past a month, I mean, you need to be best friends. But there's some times where, like, the enemy wants to come against us and fight and, and, and shut us down and to depress us or to, or to deceive us. It's his biggest game, right? And if, if, if we've never felt that, then, you know, we, we're asleep. So if, if we have felt, I feel like where God has us, where he's bringing us to a place, I feel like, where he wants us to see who we truly are in him and what he truly wants to do through us as the church. We're going to look at that this morning in Acts. If you want to go ahead and turn to Acts 1, you can. Um, but we got a few seconds before we get there. Um, but we're praying for an, an awakening in this city, an awakening. And if you think about that, think, think about what that means in this city, an awakening to wake up in this city, in this county, but the first place that it has to happen is in here, in this room, and in our hearts. But to have to see Jesus for who he truly is and to know what he wants to do in our lives. Because then we too, until we do that, we can't understand. Like We're, we're praying that we wouldn't, this wouldn't be a place where you come and just come to church. And you just come sit and listen to some songs and, and hear a guy ramble on about some scripture. That we, we, we want this to be a place where the real, true church comes together on a weekly basis to celebrate what God is doing in our lives throughout the week as we live in community together with each other, doing life together. Saying, God, look what God's done in my life this week. Man, pointing back to Him. That's what we want to see this, this, this congregation be is a group of people who are focused on celebrating what God's done in our lives and what He's going to do. Because one thing I see, one thing, excuse me, one thing I don't see in Scripture, I don't see it anywhere in Scripture where, where we see the church gathering out of obligation, right? Or, or anticipate, or they're, they're anticipating the presence of God. They're, they're anticipating spending time with God and spending time with each other because they love each other. That's what I see. I mean, I'm not, if you've read Acts, that's, that's probably what you see too. You see the anticipation, God, please come. Without you, I can't. God, I need, I need more of your presence. I've experienced you. I want more. I want more. I want more. And, and doing that in the context of community, and what that looks like is, is celebrating. And I always talk about what God's doing in our church, but I just want to give you, I just want to celebrate for a second. Can we do that? We like to celebrate. Who likes to celebrate? Who likes to party? Everybody likes to party, okay? Good. So listen, um, our church is, we're, one of our, the cultures of our church is generosity. And um, we've, we've, we've recently partnered with a ministry called Hosanna Helpers. And my wife and I have been talking about how, you know, how many, we're, we're trying to buy back to school supplies for kids. And if you're in Connect Group, you know what we're talking about. And so we said, we, we could probably do 10, you know, 10 bags maybe, because we're a new church, you know. And so well, we're, next week's the deadline. And, this, and, since, and, and since this week, we've had 31 people, 31 bags being sponsored for kids. That's awesome, right? That's awesome. That is a good, that's, a, that's generosity right there. And also, what, whenever we first planted this church, we, we put a mission. Our mission is to reach this many people and have this many people in connect groups and serving. And the number was 80%. We wanted 80% of our people in connect groups. Basically what that means in, in layman's terms is we wanted 80% of our church invested. Not just on the fringes, but invested in, in connect groups and giving and serving and loving our community. Why? Because we think that's a successful church that's able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a community that needs it, right? Well, as of last week, right now we have 90% of our congregation in connect groups. It's pretty awesome. That's awesome. That's great. And that's, the only reason I celebrate that is because, guys, that's, that's us coming together as a church and trying to focus our direction where God wanting us to go and Him awakening, Him awakening our hearts. 
And we're seeing people take next steps in their faith. We're seeing people's eyes open and awaken to who Jesus truly is. We've seen people, um, we've seen 10 or 12 people be baptized. We've seen five people come to Jesus. But not just as a religious symbol, Jesus, that's on a stained glass window, but a person. A person that wants to have a relationship with you. Not just on a Sunday morning or in a connect group once a week, but daily walking together. He loves you, man. And he wants to walk. He wants you to give up the things that you've been seeking. I've seen people who once were, were, were acting like God only existed in the context of a church service starting to see that religion is dead. Can we, can we agree with that? Religion is dead. doesn't work. It never has. And Jesus wants to live in our hearts. We're going to see that this morning about the Holy Spirit coming and making his home in our hearts. It's going to be cool. We're going to, I, I love it because it talks about fire. I like fire, okay? All right, here we go. And, and, we, and what he wants to do, he wants to work in our lives. And, and he, he, he doesn't want to be constrained, and he can't be constrained to a momentary experience on a Sunday morning. Can we agree with that? Yes, we can agree with that, I hope, because this is truth of Scripture. And guys, my heart this morning is that as we dive into this, this series that we've been in for a while, we're going to be going straight through the 412 reading plan. If you don't have one, see our next steps table because we have a lot that you can have, and it takes you through Scripture word for word, sentence by sentence, verse by verse. And we're going to come in here, and we're going to preach a sermon each week based off of what you read during the week. So you should be able to, to get a double whammy on that one. How about that? Is that good? Is that good this morning? So as we get going this morning, I don't want to get away from the word awakening. Now we've, been, we've been talking about this at the onset of each message for a while, but, but it holds so much energy, energy and imagery and, and, um, and meaning in our faith. Anytime, anytime Jesus met someone in Scripture, there was always either two things that happened. Either a hardening of their heart where they turned away and said, no, that's not for me. Or an awakening. They saw him for who he was and their life completely changed. I'm talking about from here to that person is no longer the same. It changed completely. And my desire is that we would all be awakened to the same idea this morning as a church. And we've talked about this before. It's so good to trade something small for something huge, right? Anybody would take a $100 bill for their $1 bill, right? The person that said, no, the person did not answer is crazy. You would take a $100 bill, but I said, here's my $1 bill. Give me, you know, we'll trade, be good, okay? That, that's trading something small for something big is awesome. That, that's something small, though, what Jesus is trying to do in our lives is he's trying to say, give me your small life, and I want to give you a huge life that you couldn't even imagine right? You can't even imagine of what I have for you. Give me the small pieces that you're trying to put together and can't figure it out, and I'll put them together for you, is what he's trying to do with our lives. And, and a life run by me, Michael, your pastor, is small. It's meaningless, and it's, it doesn't have any influence. Um, a, a life run by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is what? It's huge. It's big, has influence, and it carries a lot of weight for the kingdom. It leaves an impact for the glory of God throughout eternity. And we all want that, right? We are like, yeah, Michael, I want that. Amen. Let's do it. Let's, I'm on board with that. But how many of us are trying to get there in that place? Do you know what I mean? Like we had, um, I'm hoping this morning that we will turn a corner in that because like as we go from Acts 1 to Acts 2 this morning, we see a common theme of people being awakened to who Jesus is. And we see people's lives coming alive in response to it. And we're going, to, we're going to see people being saved, awakened, and put on mission. Those three things can never be separated. You, you hear what I'm saying with that? You get saved, you become awakened to who Jesus is, you get put on Jesus' mission. There's no way around those three things. If, if, if one of those things is out of order, I question if, if, if any of those are in order. Does that make sense? I don't I question that, okay? And what I want you to hear this morning is that we're going to be seeing this come to life in Scripture, and it's going to be coming alive in our lives if we would just release that. And so this morning, guys, we're going to see that people's lives changed. They went from living small lives that we talked about for this world to seeing with eternal eyes and living for eternal purposes, not no longer for money and fame and fortune and retirement and all this other stuff, but God, you, you said it, I'm going to do it. You say no, I'm going to stop. You say let it go, I'm going to release it. Whatever you say, God, I'm following you. A couple weeks ago, we went through, some of you guys may have been here, we talked about Lazarus. Remember that? We talked about the story of Lazarus, where Lazarus was raised from the dead. 
What do we talk about at the very end? We said if, if you've been awakened by the, by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, by Jesus, if you realize who he is, uh, you're, you're responsible for helping, helping, helping uh, to raise people up, to, to, to remove their grave clothes, to, to let him go. To, to, we, we, get to, we get to come alongside of God in that and work together in that. It's so awesome. Because listen, you know, what I've seen is this is where we've been staying this morning. What I've seen is, is claiming to be a Christian means you're living on mission. And there's, there's some murkiness that happens in the church sometimes with that. You know, claiming to be a Christian means I am living on mission. Like the, if you say I follow Jesus, if, if, you claim to be, if you claim the title of Christian, right, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, it means a, that, that statement is full of, of uh, you're, you're, li- you're living your life on devotion, the fruit of that statement is a life that has lived on in, in, in mission and in, in submission to Jesus and, and live for the glory of God and not me. That's what it's about in that. And so, but just to kind of give you a little trivia this morning as we go, like just kind of some Bible trivia. Everybody likes trivia, right? I don't want to know about some of y'all's trivia, but listen, listen, here's a little Bible trivia. What came first, the mission or the church? The mission. The mission came first. Somebody gets a a lollipop I deserves. The mission. Acts 1-8 is the mission. The mission comes first. The church came, comes later in Acts 2. And what we see is despite what we've always been taught in church and in different places, and what my, what my mind kind of misconstrues sometimes is, is Scripture shows that God doesn't have a mission for his church as much as he has a church for his mission. Y'all, y'all see that? Like, hear that again. We don't see it really clearly until we get in Scripture, but it shows us in Scripture that God doesn't have a mission for his church as much as he has a church for his mission. He has a mission. He started the church to carry out the mission. Does that make sense? And you see whenever we back off as a church how that messes stuff up, right? You get that? Okay, so he formed the church for the purpose of his mission, Right? He formed the church for the purpose of his mission. We're good. We're, we're tracking, okay? You know, which means, if, we, if we're agreeing with that, which means if a church that is not on mission is not really a church, can we agree with that? If we agree with point A, we've got to agree with point B because it kind of, co- co- kind of coexists there. Let me take it a little bit further. Believers who are not on mission are not really part of the church. Is that, was, is that are we good with that? Okay, see, listen, that's what it's about. And that's what we're going to see this morning is because what you're going to read about is you're going to see the church was started as a movement. But over the years, we de- degraded this movement into a building or a place where you go for a service once a week or a, or a, or a Bible study you go to once a week. Even how we define it in the English language, the word, the word church in the English language, we get it from the German word. It's called Kirche. Which I'm not sure about my German's really good, but that's what, it's, that's what it looks like. It means a place where you gather for religious observances. The original word in Acts for the church, for the church was ecclesia, which means a called out assembly or congregation. Do you see the two different things? An ecclesia is somebody that's called out for a mission, for a purpose. The other word is just a place where you come. Now, you see how that messes things up with our translations in that? Because you see a church was meant to be a, a, be a movement, on a mission, a movement around a mission, a body of people that were moving together, not a place to come and sit. You see, movements, what do they do? They move. Movements move, right? Movements move. If you're not moving, then we're not part of the movement. And so before we pray this morning, I want to get something straight before we go. I want to get two concrete points in your head this morning. Before we start reading Scripture, we see in Acts, and I want you to see this because this is the root of what it, was, what it was that propelled the early church into effectiveness. This is the root. This is what pushed them. This is what got them going. This is what kept them going. This is the root. There's two things. They were captured by the message of the gospel. They were captured by the message of the gospel. They saw it. They believed it. They lived it. They wanted it. They lived their life to see it come to pass. They were captured by the, mission of the, God, by the message of the gospel. And number two, they were yielded to the Spirit. They were yielded to the Holy Spirit. You say yes. I, Lord, you say go, I say yes. You say stay, I say yes. Yes, Lord, now what do you want me to do? Yes first is what we do with the Holy Spirit. They were yielded to the Holy Spirit. And so we need to ask this morning, have I been captured by the gospel message? Do I believe it like I say I believe it? Do my actions show that I'm a follower of Christ? Am I a part of this movement? Am I? 
It's a personal question for you. And the next one is, am, am I yielded to the Spirit's call on my life? Am I yielded to the Spirit's leading? Or have I quenched the Spirit more? Because I'm going to tell you something. This is a terrifying question to answer. Because if you come out on the negative side of this, there's still hope. But listen, that means you've been ignoring the Holy Spirit and been disobeying where he's leading. And we can't, we, it's, it's hard to say, I'm a follower of Jesus if we haven't been following Jesus. Does that make sense? And so we need to hear that this morning before we get started. So let's pray together and we're going to jump in real quick. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you're doing in our life. God, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would speak through your word. God, that you would teach us brand new truths about scripture. Father, con convict our hearts where we need to be changed. God, move us. Give us the brave, uh, just bravery and the courage, Father, to, to move where you're calling us, God. We love you. God, we ask you so much just to be here, God. We just love you so much. Amen. Pray. Amen. All right, Acts 1. We're going to look really quick at the mission. Acts 1. Um, verses 4 through 9. We're going to look at this really quick, and then we're going, to, we're going to switch over to chapter 2. Acts 1, 4 through 9. Let's go. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Where he's, him is Jesus, just so you know. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit. My Father promised what you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Don't get scared, guys. It's going to be okay. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be fine. Okay, it's going to be good. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Boy, we can preach a sermon about that right now, right? It's not for us to know the times or the dates. It's not for us to know the times or the dates. He sets the dates and the times for everything that's in our life. So good. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Man, that's so good stuff. Some good stuff. All right, so 10 days pass. They pray, they pray, they pray, 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 pray. They're scared. They're in the upper room. Oh, my gosh, where'd he go? Did you see him go up into the clouds? This is crazy. Listen, pray, 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 pray. They're praying for 10 days straight, and then Acts 2, 1 comes. Here we go. You ready? Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. It was the Jewish festival. Basically, the Jewish festival of weeks is what it was. Pentecost is a Greek name that was given to it. Um, it's celebrated at the end of the grain harvest. And it was a celebration that, that took place 50 days after the Passover. So we see, we do our math here. Jesus ascended 40 days after Passover. The disciples waited and prayed for 10 days. Then Pentecost came. We, we're tracking now? We got the timeline down? Good? All right. Here we go. That's Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they, all, they were all together in one place. There's something to be said about that. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on, on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as, spirit, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were, they were staying in Jerusalem. God-fearing Jews were from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a cr crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue, our native languages? And so listen this morning, guys, as we're, as we're listening to this, as we're reading through this, there's some things I want to point out to you. That, that word, the, a mighty rushing wind or the, the mighty wind, like it's a, it's a violent wind, a much better translation for that would be a tornado. Who's ever been involved in a tornado? Tornadoes are scary, right? I, I, I want to see one from afar, but there's some, I hear stories about how it just like, it just, it total destruction. Like you think about being around that type of wind, it's like, whew, it's terrifying, right? I don't want to be around that because yeah, that's, that's, that hurts me. I, I want to I live, Lord. Okay, so it's a loud, it's, it's disturbing, it's forceful. It's, man, it's, it's coming alive in that room right there. And then it said tongues of fire come down out, and it's like, what's happening? This is so weird, tongues of fire coming down. Like, what is, what is going on? And if you think about this for a minute, any time in the Old Testament when God showed up, how was it betrayed? Fire. Fire from heaven came down and, and consumed Mount Sinai whenever Moses was given the Ten Commandments. When he, how did God speak to Moses through the burning bush? What happened? How did, how did God lead the children of Israel through the wilderness, through a pillar of fire? It was always fire. It was always fire, 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 fire. The Holy of Holies, whenever God's presence descended on the Holy of Holies, it was fire. And so Jesus, or God was always showing himself in fire. The fire was terrifying. 
right? It was scary. They were like, oh, man, we're, we're dead. It was fatal to some people. It was, it was, it was, they burned people up in some instances when they, were, when they were in sin, turned away from God. You couldn't look at it. You couldn't touch it, and you couldn't even be in its presence. But now, you look here in, in chapter 2, it's on the head of every believer. That's awesome, right? That's good. But the thing is, like, listen, every believer was a burning bush. Let's let that sink in for a second. Are we living like a burning bush to the world to, to announce God's presence in the world? Listen, the presence of God was not inside. It was not just everywhere, but it was inside of us now. It was on us now. That's just incredible. But instead of dying, people were coming alive. People were coming alive, and, and they were like, what is happening? These people, are, I mean, they are just, there's something supernatural going on here. You can look in 1 Peter. It talks about even the angels long to look into these things. The angels are amazed that God has chosen to put his presence into man. But are we? Are we amazed by that? Do we believe that? I, I'm not dumb enough to not believe it. The moment I said tongues of fire, people shut off. Because it's, a, it's, we, it's scary sometimes talking about it because we don't understand it, right? Anything we try to understand, we kind of lean away from sometimes. But we need to hear, God is good. He wants the best for you and me. He wants us to be on mission for him, for his kingdom. And he wants his glory to be all over the world. And he wants our good to see it happen. So this morning, guys, I, wanna, I just want to read through that. It's so good. It's, it's one of the coolest things that I see in this scripture is the first time the gospel was preached, the very first time it was preached in all languages simultaneously. Right? That's cool, right? That's, that's something to, to say about that. God, you, God preached the gospel at, to all nations in one sermon. It was a 10-minute sermon. That's about how long it takes to read through Peter's sermon. One, one sermon, all nations, everybody hears the gospel, and we're going to read a little while later, 3,000 people made a decision to follow Jesus. That's a good Sunday morning right there, buddy. 3,000 people said, hey, let's go. Let's do it. That's what I mean. That's so good. They were all filled with the Spirit and fired up. And so let's read how it happened, okay? Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, to start off here. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11. Why were they 11? Because Judas was gone. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. People are saying these people are drunk. These people are crazy. What's wrong with them? What's happening? They don't know what they're talking about. They're... Peter said they ain't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. That fires me up, guys. That's, that's, that's where God's taking us. Listen, verse 22. Verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, by the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Verse 36 through 41. Therefore, let all Israel, be, yeah, I got that. Listen, that was, that, that was an amen verse right there, boys. Listen. Verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Thank you, Jesus. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other disciples, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Well, well, many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And we can preach that to this generation too, can we not? Save yourselves from this corrupt generation because we are living in a corrupt generation. Okay, listen to that. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Good grief, that's awesome. So remember the two questions you were supposed to be keeping close to your mind. Have you been captured by the gospel message? Has it captured your heart? Has it captured your heart? And have you yielded to the Holy Spirit? Have you yielded to the Holy Spirit this morning? Well, you look in this scripture right here, I would say the early church was starting to see that. And there's a verse in here we have to understand. He says, you crucified Jesus, right? 
And so you're telling me that every person in that room was responsible or every, in, that, in that community was responsible for crucifying Jesus. Some people, by, by, just by chance, probably weren't there. So they probably were like, you know, what are you talking about, bro? Like, I wasn't even there. I, I just came from, from somewhere else. I just, I just got in town. What are you talking about? I, I didn't crucify anybody. But, you know, you look in Romans, right? It's our sin for all of sin, right? We've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God, right? So it's, it's on us too. And so as we're going, the Holy Spirit comes on these people and they receive Christ. 3,000 people in all, all of them probably didn't receive Christ, but it says the ones that chose were 3,000. And what do these people do? Let's look in verses 42 through 47. It says this, these people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. It says everyone was filled with awe. There was no back row people or, or back, way back in the back or sitting over to the side or hiding out. There were, there were no people trying to hide in the crowd. It says everyone was filled with awe. We need to look at those kind of words in Scripture. Everyone was filled with awe. And the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and every, had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. Wow, that's crazy. So that they can give to people who had need. Hold your things loosely. Every day they continued to meet together in, their, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is awesome. Why were people being saved? Because people were living out the gospel the way they were supposed to be, right? They were living it out the way they were called to. So remember the two questions we had talked about. In this passage, we see the movement of the Spirit manifesting itself in four devotions. People were devoted to four things that I've noticed. Four things. And I always ask, like, what's the what definition of words? What does it mean to be devoted to something? What does it mean that I devoted myself to this? Being devoted means they gave themselves to these things, right? When I got married, I gave myself to my wife. I don't get to choose, oh, you're not really pleasing me today, so I'm going to walk away, right? I don't get to do that because I've given myself to her heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything I have is all hers, right? That's what devoted means. I'm giving myself over to these things. Why do I give myself to these things? To see the mission fulfilled, right? They saw Jesus raised up. They saw, the, they saw Peter preach a spirit-filled message. They were cut to the heart. God, what do I do? I lay all myself down for all of you. Lord, point me to the direction I'm going. And I'm going to go that way. I'm devoted. I'm giving myself to that. No job, no relationship, no possession will keep me from following you, Father. That has to be our hearts or we can't say we're devoted. It means in light of the gospel, they were yielding to the spirit. These things became obsessions to them. Like, I, I'm, 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 I'm devoting myself to this, Father. And guys, listen, this morning, there's two things. If, you, if you've really embraced the gospel message and if you've really been filled with the Holy Spirit, like spirit, these four things will be true in your life too. Maybe at different levels and, 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 and all these things, but like, they'll be true of our life in some capacity. If you've, if you've yielded to the Spirit, not because I tell you, not because that you need to put them on a to-do list because you're a Christian, they'll just be natural. The person who turns their life over to Jesus, these things happen naturally because they're trying to please Jesus. In fact, if you're, if you're not naturally devoted to these four things, I don't need to make a, a list for you to go start doing these things. This doesn't need to be something I need to write down so I can start doing. Jesus influenced them in a way that inspired them to go be devoted these things. The Holy Spirit moved them into those places. So I don't need to make, you don't need to make a list. It, it just reflects the fact that maybe, maybe we haven't really embraced the gospel message as much as we say we have or been yielded to the Spirit like we claim we have. It's just showing fruit of our beliefs and who we are. And people who've been captured by the gospel and yielded to the Spirit will naturally become devoted to these things. It's as natural as breathing. How many people need an accountability partner for breathing? Nobody, I hope. I better wake up in here. Nobody needs an accountability partner for breathing. Bro, you need to breathe today. I know I need to breathe, right? Because I'll die. That's the way it needs to be in our life. And then listen, if you don't do these things, it's not a doing problem. Hear that, okay? It's not a doing problem. It's a gospel problem and a spirit problem. We have to make sure we correct the right thing this morning, Okay? It's not a doing problem. It's a gospel and a spirit problem. It means we need to hear this a little bit more. And we have to make sure we correct the right thing. Because what I know, what you know, if you dig deep down, if you've been in church for a few services, the kind of faith that saves you, hear this this morning, please. 
The kind of faith that saves you is more than just intellectual assent. I believe Jesus is God. Right? The demons believe that's what James said. Right? The demons believe Jesus is God. Does that save them? Absolutely not. It takes more than church attendance. Saving faith transforms you from the inside out, and you demonstrate that by engaging in the mission of God. That's what shows you that. That's what shows you that. And I believe that starts with these four things. These four things we need to be devoted to. Four things. It says in, it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. Here we go. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you're writing notes, this means God's word. They devoted themselves to God's word. The apostles' teaching, it turned into the New Testament, right? The apostles' teaching is now the New Testament. They devoted themselves to God's word. This means they devoured the words and the teachings of the apostles. Who struggles in here with reading their Bible? We all struggle sometimes with opening scriptures and reading it. Why? Because Satan wants to take that, that, that life bread and life water away from you so you cannot be filled up with the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom of God, and be on mission for God. He wants to make you weak right? He wants to make you weak. They hung on every word the apostles taught. The apostles sat down, Peter sat down. I can imagine the people were like right up on him. Like, I'm like, back up. Like, they wanted it bad. They wanted that word. They needed it. They hung on to every word because it was the very words of Jesus. And they knew that because these men had been with Jesus and they wanted that. Do we want that? Or is it just whatever? Or do all we see is just latitude. This is, this is what's real. My job, my wife, my wife, my, my car, my family, my Georgia Bulldogs, you know, whatever. You know, is, this, is this all I see? Or do I see this? Affects all of this. Have I been blinded? Have I been blinded by Satan? Have I been blinded? God's word, guys, for God's word to do a work in our, in our hearts, that's has to get inside of us, right? Because to do work in here, what's on the outside has to go on the inside, Right? It's on the outside. It has to get on the inside. How does it do that? We have eyes, right? We have ears. You have to gain wisdom. We don't gain wisdom and knowledge or understanding um, from, from the word without the word, right? We don't, we don't gain those things without reading the Bible, studying the word, discussing the word, right? And for those of you guys who are just turn out, listen, this is more than just a Sunday school lesson on a Sunday morning. This is life, life. This is life. Literally, they were consuming every word that came out of the disciples' mouth because they were like, man, this is life change. This is changing something in my heart. I've got to change my life to, to be. Listen, the Bible says, what does it say in Deuteronomy? It says that man shall not live by bread alone, by, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? That's what it says. What does that mean? Not by bread alone, but by every word it comes from the mouth of God. So that tells me this is important. This is important. Literally consuming the word. And I've talked about this before in here, guys. It plays out like this. Like as you read scripture, you read scripture, it gets into your heart or your head, excuse me, it gets into your head. It works its way to, its, to your heart as you memorize it, right? As you memorize scripture, what happens is you're like, you're going through your day and it's like, man, this is, a... God throws that scripture in your head and you're like, man, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? I'm a new creation in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, right? Why, well, if I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those things, that's some verse I'm memorizing right now. Listen, th those kind of verses are, you need to be saying those out loud. I won't make you say them from stage, but just do them in your, at home, you know? Just talk, just, just talk to God, show me God. Put these words in my heart. And after they're memorized, it works its way out your hands as it transforms your heart. Head, heart, hands, that's where it's at. It gets in your head, you memorize it, it gets to your heart. Once it gets in your heart, that's when things change, right? Because your heart is where that stuff happens at. That's where that transformation happens at. And that's where your hands start to give. That's where, that, that's where you start holding on to your money like this and you start doing this. That's where you start holding on to your possessions like this and you start doing this. This is, this is not mine anyway. This is yours, God. I'm a steward. Romans 12, 2. This is what you need to hear. Transformation. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who wants to know what God's will is? Everybody wants to know what God's will is. Listen to this verse. It'll tell you. Do what the first part says, then this will happen. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's easy, right? 
A plus B equals C. Do this, do this, and you'll understand God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you use a Bible reading plan? Do you use the reading plan we have in here? 412. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I'm saying, do you, read the, do you use the gifts that we give you, like the, the tools that we give you in the 412 plan? It's simple. It takes 10 minutes to do that every day. Unless you're a slow reader, it might take 15. It takes 10 minutes. It's, it's, it gets you going. It gets you moving. It's just an entry-level little thing we're trying to give you guys to kind of get you reading the Bible. And so do you use that? Because what I know is you consistently do what's important to you, don't you? Think about that for a minute. You consistently do what's important to you. You know, what's good for you, what you consider good for you, you consistently are on board with that. I got it. I'm on board with this. Do you see Scripture as good for you? Because being devoted to this is eternally good for you. But we're so often looking for the next temporary, easy, instant pleasure, right? So eternal good things. Here we go. Next question. Do you memorize Scripture? Do you memorize it? That's how it's going to transform you. Do you memorize Scripture? When you get cut, do you bleed Scripture? When you get squeezed, does Scripture come out? Is that what happens? Think about it. In Ephesians 6, we talked about this two weeks ago. It tells us that we're in a fight. Who can, who can say you're in a fight spiritually? We are all in a fight. If you are a Christian saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got a target on your back. Say he wants to take you out. You are a prize to the enemy. Okay? If you're, a, if you're a true believer in Christ, if you've never experienced any kind of conviction or battle, we need to evaluate where you're at. Because listen, Scripture says that we are in a fight. It says not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness and evil. It says, it gives us a whole thing about the armor of God, but the only offensive weapon is what? The sword of the Spirit. That's the Bible. It's the words. It's the words that Jesus used in Luke 4 whenever he was being tempted by Jesus. Jesus kept saying, it is written. It is written. This, 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 this. And that's how he fight. That's how he fights. That's how he fought. But it's only a sword as it enters your mind. It can't be a sword just sitting on your table. It has to get into your mind and come out of your mouth. It has to flow out of your mouth and become a sword. When it's sitting on your bookshelf, it's just another book. The contents are not like any other book, but just sitting there, it's another book. It tells us in Deuteronomy 6, it says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. On your hearts. On your hearts. Impress them on your children. Parents in here, teach your kids the word of God. Spend some time together with your kids each night reading the word of God. Share scripture with them. Teach them on their level how to do that. Impress them on your kids, it says. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This is talking about the word. Talk about it. Talk about it with friends. What did the scripture mean to you? What, is it, what do you think it means? These are the words of life. This, is, this deserves a lot more talk than what happened last week on the soap opera or what happened last week in, in sports. This, is a, this deserves a lot of discussion, right? Right? Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. I wouldn't say bind them to your foreheads, but I would say, I think that's more symbolic, but I would say write them on your door frames. Put scripture in your home. Write them on a chalkboard. Get a thing of Hobby Lobby is awesome. Go grab some stuff from Hobby Lobby and put it on the wall. Memorize those scriptures. As we get the message of the gospel into our hearts, guys, we change. We do. We change, and we become the church that God was trying to get us to be. And this is what God uses to transform our hearts right here, the Scripture, the Bible, the Bible. Devotion to God's Word looks like it's so simple. We read the Word, we obey the Word, and then we live out the Word. Those three things. Those, is that hard to do? Application, yes, because we're human and we're sinful, right? But it's not. It's easy. Read the, surrender your life to God first because once surrender happens, that yielding part of the Holy Spirit, then it becomes easy. When you, when you yield control, it's over. He has you. You're, you're his. Okay? Listen, that's what it's about. Number two, the second thing they did, they devoted themselves to each other. What does that mean? What, they devoted themselves to each other. Does that mean they text each other once in a while or, or, or like somebody's Facebook page? No. They devoted themselves to each other. They, they, were, they, were, they were giving themselves to each other. They gave themselves to each other. Fellowship is the word you're looking for, fellowship. These people understood that Jesus had given himself for them, so they were devoted to giving themselves to each other. 
that Jesus gave himself for me, I'm giving myself for you. That's what it was like. I, that's what it's like. One way they did this was meeting in small groups at homes. You can look, 3,000 people came to know the Lord at once. That's a little bit of a logistical nightmare for small groups, right? That kid, we can't meet all in one place anymore, right? We got to break it up into homes and go different places, and we got to meet in these places. So the big group, they met in church right here. Look around you. This is the church. This is our church family. During the week, what do you do? You meet in small groups, right? Somebody from this section may know somebody from the next section from their small group. You can have a little family reunion on Sundays, and we get to celebrate what God's done. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. That's what it's about. The small groups are whenever we give, you give yourselves to each other and you see the mission accomplished. The big group's like a, a battalion where you have like marching orders and, and you, get, you have a celebration. But listen, it's not about being in a, in a group. It's about what you're doing in those groups. If you're just so, you're going and saying, I'm in a group, but you haven't given yourself away to that group, those group of people, then you're, you're missing the point. If you're going about it that way, it's wrong. For, verses 42 to 47 says they were together. They met together every day. They ate together. They hung out together. They did this together and that together. Are we investing, are you investing in people's lives? Or are you too wrapped up in your own? Are you investing in somebody else? If you're a Christian, that's what we're called to do, investing in other people's lives, loving on people. And the second question, are you opening your life up so that other people can invest in you? Because if you're closed off, what Satan wants to do, he, he, wants to, he wants to insulate you first, and then he wants to isolate you. That's how he kills you. He wants to insulate you, and he wants to isolate you. Listen, that's where he wants to take you out the game. And do we reach out to get to know a fellow believer, or do we hide in large groups? And listen, I hear people say this all the time. It makes me so mad, because but there, there's some ignorance there. But like, I'm like, man, uh, you, you're not getting it. Whenever they say, I quit going to church or to a connect group because I just wasn't getting anything out of it. I want to do backflips over that person and do a little karate. I don't. Listen, it makes me, it's frustrating because look at that phrase. Look at how that's phrased, guys. I'm not getting anything out of it. The first thing you need to understand as a Christian is it's not about you. It's about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and him getting the glory. It's about, it's, it says they devoted themselves to this. They gave themselves away to it. The point is not really how much you're getting out of it. The point is to give yourself away. And here's the irony is that when you begin to give yourself away, when, you're, when you give it to give yourself up for other people, you begin to get stuff out of it, right? That's where it happens. I've never been more happy whenever I was giving myself away to people where I started getting blessed because I was giving my life for somebody else. The most unhappiest person in the world is the greediest person. I can tell you that right now. And guys, it's a family. It's like a family. I don't participate in my family based on what I'm getting out of it. And I hope you don't either. If you do, there's a problem. I'd set up counseling appointments if you need to, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm devoted to my family, so I give myself to my family. All of me for all of you, whatever you want. It's yours, my family. I don't approach my family like a Burger King where it's my way, and I, and I take what I need, I tell you what I need, I want, I want this and this and this. I, and, but if they're not giving it to me or my way or how I like it, I'm going somewhere else. That's not how family works. That's not how being devoted to something works. You give yourself away to it. I'm giving my whole life away to this group, to this church, to this, to this Savior. And listen, I'm not doing a commercial for Connection Church. I could care less if you come to Connection Church pool or not. I want you to be in a healthy community somewhere, in a church that's, that teaches the Word of God, and that you can grow in. That's my heart. Don't hear me being a, a, a marketer up here. Because it's time to stop being consumers. And it's time to start being disciples. Because there's a big difference. A big difference in being a consumer and a disciple. Listen, I hear the church say all the time, or excuse me, I hear people around the church say all the time, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Who's ever heard that? I like your Jesus, but I don't like your church. According to Acts 2, you can't be a true disciple of Jesus and be disconnected from the church. On top of that, you can't love Jesus and hate his bride. If you came to me and said, hey, Michael, you're cool. I like hanging out with you, but I don't really like Savannah that much. Me and you are going to have a problem. We're not going to be friends, right? We're not going to be okay. There's going to be an issue there, right? I, we don't hang out. I'm, no, well, I mean, I'm glad you like me, but that's as far as this relationship is going, dude. Listen, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Continue, 
giving yourself away to your groups, to, to the people in your life. And lastly, or not lastly, it's the third point. They devoted themselves to God's presence. They devoted themselves to God's presence. It says the breaking of bread in there, but it's, 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 it's the, that is communion. The words devoted themselves to God's presence, the breaking of bread, is pointing to communion. They shared the Lord's Supper together. They, and you remember what that means. We talked about this five or six weeks ago when we did communion. Jesus promised to be present in a very special way at the Lord's table, didn't he? I'll be there with you. Do this and remember it's to me. Remember what this means, man. Remember, when you combine this with the fact that every believer in that room was filled with the Spirit of God, wow, think about what would happen if that was the way that it was in that point, in that moment. Like, that's amazing. People came to church and they expected to, to, to see the presence of God un, un, just flow. They expected it. They didn't come to church just being like, I'm here this week, guys. I hope you saw me at church because I came. I checked it on the list. I'm here. I'm here. First Corinthians explains that people came to church, prayed up, ready, to, ready to, to receive words from God. God, speak to me, Father. Show me the way. And ready to give words of life to other people. Because you have a responsibility not just to be a receiver, but to be a giver. Right? Is that right? It's what Scripture says. We're, we're meant to be givers of the Word, too. We need to be reading to the point where if God gives us a gift, a gift of prophecy, where we're giving a Word of God to someone, we're able to give that in a way that's loving. Because we're meant to receive and to give. And do we come here expecting to hear from God, to experience God, to encourage somebody else with the Word of God? And let me tell you, I have three things right now that are going to give you a sign that you might not be expecting to hear from God if you come here. There's three things. Three quick things. There's some signs that, 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 that might mean that you're not expecting to hear from God. You're just coming to church. The first one is you come late and you leave early. I'm stepping on some toes. It's okay. Sorry, that's what we do at church sometimes. You come late and you leave early. Now, I'm, not, I'm not judging anybody. Nobody's being judged at all. Listen, we're no condemnation. But I think about this. I love football. Who loves football? Do you have love football? I'm a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan. I'll go to every game if I had a ticket. If you might got tickets, let me know. So what do you do at football games? You go to tailgate like eight hours ahead, and you go wear your jersey. You go get fired up. You cook some ribs and some hamburgers. You drink some Cokes, and you do some other things, and you hang out with friends, and, you, and you're just you're, you're hanging out with people, right? And you're grilling stuff, and you're, play, you're playing football, cornhole, all that stuff. You're anticipating the game. You're talking. you got a TV with more football games on, right? My wife's a Florida fan, so we have an issue sometimes with that. But like we watch ball games and like we, we watch football, and whenever our, our rival loses, we're like, yeah, slapping high fives, getting jacked up. Like, listen, that's football, right? You see how excited I just get? Have you ever seen me get excited about Jesus? Yeah, yeah, okay. Bad example. Listen, there's a sense of there's a sense of anticipation, right? The football game's coming. I'm fired up, man. This is awesome. Let's go, let's go, let's get fired up. How can we be more excited about a sport? than when it comes to meeting with God. Can you see the insanity of that? Yes? It's insane. For me, it's insane that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords wants to come meet with us. Listen, that's huge. Number two, not bringing a Bible or anything to take notes on. Listen, I know we got you version, it's fine. I understand a form of the Bible. But listen, out of 45 minutes or an hour and a half or however long I preach, there's nothing you can write down or meditate on during the week that God just gives you, nothing nothing. Maybe you have like a photograph of memory. I don't know. But there's something special about opening the Word and seeing the words of the page. Boredom and worship. Boredom and worship is the last one. Our posture indicates our heart. Doesn't it? Our posture indicates our heart, how we're looking at God. It's impossibly bored with God. It is. When you see Him for who He is, it's impossible. You can't be bored with Him. If we come here not expecting to meet with God, if we try to fit God in a box and put boundaries on the Spirit, we're missing it. We're missing it. And the last thing is they devoted themselves to prayer. They all prayed all the time because they felt a dependency on God. A dependency on God. And I feel like we've lost that. But this was natural for these people. They felt a dependency on Jesus. They felt the crushing weight of what God called them to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What? That's crushing. That's huge. It's a heavy weight. They prayed for, they prayed and waited for 10 days because they, they felt a dependency on Jesus for the mission they were about to embark on. We have this sense that we can do life without God, though, don't we? I've got this and this and this and this set up. This is my security. This is my retirement. Here's some extra spending. I got all this stuff. I don't need God. Right? 
what happens at the end of your life. Listen, guys, this, move, this removes the sense of desperation that the early church had. God's got you and got to move, and he's got to move. If you don't move, God, nothing can happen. That has to be the heart of our church. Without you, nothing can happen, Father. The early church used prayer. Listen, listen, listen. The early church used prayer not to remove trouble from their life. Right? They, they didn't say, God, take this struggle from me. Take this addiction from me. Take this from me. Take this from me. Take, take this money trouble from me, God. Take this marriage trouble from me. They used it for boldness to go through it. They prayed to have more boldness to go through the struggle. That's, that's something to be said with because prayer, guys, prayerlessness, we stop praying. It, listen, it is always a sign that you've lost touch with how dependent you are on the fullness of the Spirit to do what you can't do. Prayer, prayer. Prayer is so important. And guys, listen, this is not, this is not a self-discipline problem. I need to pray more. I need to pray more. That's not what it is. We need a deeper relationship with the one we're praying to. Okay? That's what it's about. So this morning, the problem is that you need more of a sense to, to know how desperate you are on God to do the things that you can't. It's an understanding that apart from Him, you can do nothing. And this morning, we looked at that, the last few verses, it says, and People were being added to their number every day. That means people were being saved because they were carrying out the four things that we just talked about and demonstrated the power of the gospel and the power of the Spirit. It was true then, and it's still true today. If you give yourself to this, you see your life change. But first, you have to give yourself to Him. This morning, if that's you, um, I'd like to pray with you. We're about to sing one last song. If you have to go, I understand. But... Um, I just want to pray with you. If you want to, if you want to pray, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you never walked that out, I want to pray for you. I just want to ask you to come up here and let me pray for you. I'll be standing right here for a few minutes. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team. Come lay some stuff down at the altar and get rid of it. Let it go. Okay, let me pray for you. Then um, come as we start. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing, God. We thank you for all that you've done for us already. God, I pray that you would do, uh, just help us to be devoted to the things that, that you say in Scripture. We, we need to be devoted to you, Father, to see your kingdom come and your will be done, Father, that we see the mission um, played out in, um, in our lives as we see it in Scripture, Lord. I just pray for hearts to be softened, God, that you would just move in this place and you would just do a mighty work in someone this morning. God, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen.